Hello and welcome. You've tuned into the School of Ministry podcast. Paul is your Bible teacher today. He has years of experience as a pastor, seminary instructor, and more. Later, you will be given information how to reach us. If you have questions you would like addressed, let us know. Maybe you have a need in your life and want to know how the Bible gives answers that apply to us today. Feel free to contact us. Now enjoy the lesson. Let's begin reading in Philippians chapter 1, and I'd like to begin in verse 3. And we'll read through verse 8. We're talking about the elements of joy. We started this last week. We're going to pick up on it. And hopefully I'll get through it today. And if not, we may just have to finish up next week if the Lord gives us another week. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, making request for you all with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. Just as it is right for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart, inasmuch as both in my chains and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you all are partakers with me of grace. For God is my witness, How greatly I long for you all with the affection of Jesus Christ. Let's stop right there because after the opening salutations that Paul gives in verse 1 and 2, he identifies with those that he's writing. And he's talking about joy, the elements of joy. He's just remembering those at Philippi. Remembering the love and remember they have just recently sent Epaphroditus as their messenger to bring some encouragement to help him to encourage and strengthen him and they brought an offering. So they just wanted to help Paul in the work that was going on while he was sitting chained to a Roman centurion. He's chained to a Roman soldier at this point. So it's not a Not a pretty picture whatsoever. However, because of the joy of the Holy Spirit in his life, the joy that God has given, and I'm talking about a joy that this world can't understand, a joy that is beyond our circumstances, that it's beyond something that we might just see on every page that and all of the ads and things like that that just try to give you the impression of joy, But this is a real joy. This is a joy that's God-given. It's one of those fruit of the Spirit. It's part of that very gifting of God. It's something that every believer should know and experience. But many do not. We're going to talk about why, why we lack that. But before we dig into this passage, I really want to go back to Psalm 42. Psalm 42 and Psalm 43. In the Jewish Bible... These are one. Some Bibles even run 42 and 43 together. It is written by King David. And understand some of the things that are going on in David's life. Do you know that most of the Psalms were written after David's sin? Most of them were written out of a heart that was broken. 
David writes because he knew God's forgiveness and he knew God's grace in his life. And that's where we get so many of these beautiful psalms. And at this point, David had been fleeing from his son Absalom. Remember, Absalom was trying to take over the kingdom. He had pretty much taken over the kingdom. And David has to flee. He flees because Absalom is going to take his life. This is the result of David's sin. This is the result of David's murder, of his adultery. And he continued to have problems in his life as a result of the sin. Now, God didn't take the consequences of the sin, but he took the guilt of the sin away. But that doesn't mean that David doesn't have any problems. And so as the writer of this, and David's running for his own life, his son is leading a rebellion, trying to usurp the throne. Now he's writing here, and this will be a familiar passage, I hope, to you. In Psalm 42, I want to begin just with verses 1 through 4. As the deer pants for the water brooks, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night, while they continually say to me, Where is your God? When I remember these things, I pour out my soul within me. For I used to go with the multitude. I went with them to the house of God with a voice of joy and praise. With the multitude, I have kept a pilgrim feast. How interesting. Here's a man acquainted with sorrow. He's full of sadness and loneliness and alienation and separated. He's had to run. We're going to see where he's gone. Now we contrast the two. We contrast what Paul has said in Philippians chapter 1. While he's chained to a a guard, he's chained and sitting in prison. And here is King David who has run Because his son is trying to take the throne. One speaks of great joy. He never talks about the things that are happening in his life. And here David just can't get over the sadness, the depression, the hurts. He's in a depressed, he is in a state of despair. He's in this depressed state. And first of all, Notice that there is really an unsatisfied longing for God. As the deer pants for the water, so my soul longs for you. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. So he's looking to the right place. He says, when shall I come and appear before God? You see the loneliness? The alienation? He has an intense desire to be near God. He has an intense desire... For God to come and deliver him from that present state. He's dealing with an unsatisfied longing for God. He feels alone. Have you ever felt that God has abandoned you? God's not around. And that's really what David is saying here. He wonders how long he's going to have to wait for God to show up. He's having to look and wait to see, Lord, where are you? I need your help. It's pretty universal when sadness and depression comes that we feel that we're separated from God. We feel that God doesn't care or God's not around. Something within a child of God causes that thirst for the presence, for the intimacy with God that only the Lord can deliver, that only God can make up. And so he's dealing with the 
depressing sadness and loneliness that he's feeling in his heart, but it's intensified because his enemies. Look in verse 3. He says, My tears have been my food day and night, while they continually say to me, Where's your God? The enemies of David were coming up and saying, rubbing it in his face, Where's your God? Where's your help? You don't have anyone else. Just taunting him with the idea that either God isn't able, or God's not worried about David. David isn't worth his attention. God had abandoned him. So he tends to feel that way. Do you see how that depression would grow if you felt like, well, God doesn't care about me. God isn't worried. And you see, when we get that view of God, when we think, well, God just really doesn't care about me because after all, He has the whole universe, we fail to see that maybe His deliverance is just on the horizon. There's something there that He's dealing with us so that we will want the Lord, that we will be drawn back to Him. That sense of loneliness maybe being compounded by our enemies, being compounded by the sadness draws us and pushes us closer to the Lord. And the third thing that compels the sadness is that it remembers the privileges that were lost. Verse 4, When I remember these things, I pour out my soul within me, for I used to go with the multitude. I went with them to the house of God, with a voice of joy and praise, with a multitude that kept a pilgrim feast. See, he remembers where he used to be. He remembers the time that he would dance and go into the, the very temple of God and, and enjoy the things of God when his heart was exalted. But now in the depression, he's asking his own heart, I'm so depressed. Where is that joy? I remember what we used to be able to do. I remember what we had. He remembers the privileges that have been lost. You know, sin always brings that regret for privileges, regret for positions that have been lost. But I want you to notice something here in verse 5. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise Him for the help of His countenance. So now he's recognizing and he's, do you see the battle that David's going through in my life? He's saying, I'm depressed, oh my soul, thirst for God like the deer that's panting for the water. And I'm hoping in God. And he says, why am I so downcast? Why am I so depressed? Hope in God. Here's the answer. He knows what he should be doing. He knows where he should be and is He's wanting those privileges to be restored. He wants to come into the house of God and worship and fellowship again. And he's asking, why am I behaving like this? Why am I acting this way? Hi, let me interrupt for just a moment and update you with some information. You can now contact us at schoolofministryresources.org or biblelandmarks.com. We also now live stream services on LandmarkStockton, all one word, dot com. Or you can see us on Facebook at Landmark Missionary Baptist Church of Stockton. We look forward to hearing from you. We would love to send you information. So thank you and back to our podcast. Have you ever had such a process in your life? Have you ever felt that way? Have you ever gone through such a kind of an internal interrogation that you're saying 
Oh my soul, why am I so depressed? Why am I cast down? Why am I disquieted? I know my, my answer is to hope in God. My answer is that I will yet praise Him. Things will get better. So he's kind of saying to himself, hold on right there. I'm out of line. Why am I doing this? My hope is God. Time for praise will come. His help will come. His presence will come. And then look at what he says again in verse 6. Oh my God, my soul is cast down within me. Therefore I will remember you from the land of the Jordan, from the heights of Hermon, from the hill Mazar. So there he's saying it's, it's a fascinating idea here that he's saying that where can I go? God had made a covenant with Israel and through David. And just as he's remembering, we don't know where, where Mount Mazar is, but we know that he has gone to the upper regions. He's had to flee Jerusalem. He's had to flee being around the people of God. He remembers the God of this land. He remembers the God of the covenant, the God of promise, the God of power. And then he says in verse 7, Deep calls unto deep at the noise of your waterfalls. All your waves and billows have gone over me. I love that. This is a, a verse that's not easy to interpret. But I feel like we need to understand, we need to have uh, some reflection and be able to understand the fact. Because what he is saying here, deep calls to deep, it means blow after blow. That's the idea of it. Pounding upon pounding. It's the man that's caught in the surf and one wave crashes him and knocks him to the sand. And he's just getting up. And another wave comes and knocks him back down. And he swirls him around. I don't know if you've ever been caught up in a wave like that. And carried away, carried this way and that way by the, by the ocean blow. Now he's just gone from being up on the mountain in a dry, desolate area in Israel. And now he's reflecting and he's saying it's just like... Being caught in the surf where the breakers smashes one upon another, sucking him down, pounding him again, hitting him this way and that way. Isn't that the way life is? Isn't that sometimes it just feels like when you get down, then it's just one more, one more. You're being pounded this way. It's a cascading waterfall. It's blow upon blow like he can't get out of it. That's the idea. That's what he's telling us here. And then he says in verse 8, The Lord will command His loving kindness in the daytime, and in the night His song shall be with me. A prayer to the God of my life. The command of the Lord, the loving kindness. Again, he says, hey, God's still there. He's going to move. He's going to give me back a, a song. And verse 9, he says, And I will say to God, my rock, Why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? You see the tugging and the back and forth? On one side, he says, I know God's going to do it. I know God can help me. But then why is it the depression keeps pulling me back? I know what I'll do. I'll pray. I'll cry out to God. God will deliver me. But he slips right back into depression. And he seems to be saying, why am I doing this? Why am I falling into this again? 
and over and over. That's why he says in verse 11 as well, Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise Him. And then we just moves right into verse, into chapter 43, into Psalm 43. And then I think you'll see that this flows one thought to another. Because he cries out, Vindicate me, O God, and plead my cause against an ungodly nation. O deliver me from the deceitful and unjust man. Remember, it's his own son trying to take the kingdom from him. A kingdom that God had given. Vindicate me. Lord, you are my strength. Why have you rejected me? Why do I go about mourning? Because of the oppressing of the enemy. This is getting to be the cycle of depression. Again and again, oh, send out thy light and thy truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to the holy hill and to thy holy places. Then I will go to the altar of God, to God my exceeding joy. He knows the answer. To find his joy in God is the answer. It's not in his circumstances. To find his joy in God, and and there's the line. To God my exceeding joy. And on the lyre, is the way it originally says, on the lyre I will praise thee. On the lyre I will praise thee, O God, my God. That's the answer. He knows the answer. He keeps going back to it. And in response, look at verse 5 of 43. Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise Him, the help of thy countenance and my God. You see the back and the forth, the back and the forth, knowing the answer. To find his joy in God is the answer, not in his circumstances. To find his joy in God, there's the line. To God my exceeding joy, there, right in all of that. Now I want you to have seen David in his depression and despair and understand that We might go through the same things. But I thought right here it might be good for us to talk about some things that cause us to lose our joy. Some things that affect us. Some areas that we can recognize. And who can steal our joy? What can steal our joy? What causes the absence of joy in our life? Because we have on the other side, Paul, in prison... He had done terrible things as well. He's had Christians killed. He stood there at at Stephen's death. He has a horrible past looking for what God's doing even while he's chained and sitting in a dungeon cell. These are the things that we need to guard against so that we can recognize the joy of the Lord in our life. But first of all, let me just say, and, and here we're getting in back, said all of that other That wasn't in the original message I had. That's why it's not on your notes. Now I'm getting to your notes. (laughs) Now you'll find it in all. But I just thought it was so interesting how David was battling back and forth and how maybe if you've been battling depression, how you feel. And you can just go through and pray the Psalms and you'll recognize how God brings about that healing and brings us back to that place where we need to be. But there are those that think that they're saved, but they do not have salvation. They will always be looking for the joy. They're looking for the joy of the Lord, but they're never going to find it because 
that has never been, there's never been a new birth. It will always be elusive. And I am convinced, I've seen church members get saved. I'm convinced that there are a lot of churches with a lot of unsaved people. And I have churches that have all kinds of different names. But people that have never come to the place where they know Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. And there are churches that are filled with it and people that are looking for a joy. But their lives aren't happy. They might be trying to serve in doing religious activities. They're trying desperately to be religious. But there's no joy. It never comes. Why? Because that joy is a work of the Holy Spirit. And it comes as a part of the new birth. It comes as a gift of God. And there's no true joy. And when you do not know Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you do not know Him, you're not going to have joy. You're not going to have the kind of joy that the Bible talks about, where there'll be no true joy. There is no capacity for joy because Christ isn't there. The Holy Spirit isn't in your life. And the whole process is just another frustration. The whole process is, well, I'm trying, trying to lead a good life. I'm trying to do this. I'm trying to do that. And there's no joy. I have seen so many people, and many people that spend some time in church, never able to discover and affect that joy in the life. They leave, they're frustrated, their life. But if you have an absence of joy in your life, and if it's constantly elusive to you, Go back to the beginning somewhere. Go back to that place and ask yourself, because Paul in 2 Corinthians 13.5 says, examine yourself and see if you are in the faith. You might be pursuing something that you'll never be able to catch until you get right with God. Until you come to Him recognizing your sinfulness and recognizing that you need Jesus Christ as your own personal Lord and Savior. Otherwise, there'll be no joy. You cannot have the gift of God in your life. So you've got to be sure that you're saved. Thank you for listening. We hope you've enjoyed the message. If you want to hear Paul in person and are in the Stockton, California area, we invite you to join us at Landmark Missionary Baptist Church, 301 East Alpine Avenue. That's near the University of the Pacific. He brings the Bible message every Sunday at 11 a.m. and other times as listed. We trust you've been encouraged, challenged, or generally built up spiritually. If this lesson has sparked questions on this or other topics, please see our contact information in the description or email us at sclofministry at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing from you.